This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could be sponsored by you, the listener, by heading on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. There you can become a patron and support the show as I continue to grow, keep the website up to date, um, keep you informed with everything that I'm doing right now, and uh, eventually get a facelift for the website. Um, Every little bit helps, helps keep the lights on, all that good stuff. So again, just head on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer and become a patron today. Um, also check out chasethomaspodcast.com. It's uh, my site where you can learn a little about me, uh, get a, a direct link to every single episode, um, all that good stuff. You can also read all of my work. I'm basically writing there every day. Um, the schedule that I have right now for, uh, my writing on the site is on Sundays. I'm doing an ATL sports column, um, kind of traditional in that sense, depending on what's going on in Atlanta sports that week on Mondays. I am doing a 30 things on the NBA um, that I'm excited about because the NBA is coming back soon. Uh, Tuesdays, I'm doing a Monday Night Raw recap and review. Uh, Wednesday, I am doing a SmackDown Live uh, review. On Thursdays, I am doing a Throwback Thursday. So I'll watch a game because I like watching old highlights. I like watching like 1998 Minnesota Vikings versus like the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, things like that where Randy Moss went off. Um, so I'm going back watching old games uh, and I will be writing about them as if they are happened right now and all that good stuff. On Fridays, I'm doing a nobody asked mailbag where I uh, just, I have a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts on sports and I can turn them into questions and uh, I'm going to write about them in a nobody asked mailbag. So you can find that on Fridays on Saturdays. It's um, it's just a Saturday morning thought. So things I, w- I thought about during the week, that I just want to write about and uh, mixed in with all of that, uh, just other kinds of articles like when I wrote about Bruno Caboclo and why it's interesting that the Houston Rockets are taking a chance on it more. Jimmy Butler and his rumored flirtation with uh, the Lakers and why um, he might be a better fit for uh, Kawhi Leonard instead of LeBron James and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, other articles um, spread out throughout the week all that good stuff, but you can find all of that by going to chase Uh, don't forget. There's a lot of ways you can listen. Spotify is a popular one now, so you can find the chase Thomas podcast on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, um, Google play, uh, everything else that you could possibly think of, uh, cast box, um, just uh, all kinds of great stuff. So Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, of course, uh, but yeah, just search Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it. And if you are an Apple Podcast listener, uh, it'd be great if you could leave the show a reading and a review. Um, it's just, it's important uh, with the way iTunes works. So it'll help other people find the show, help the show continue to grow. Um, so that'd be great. So if you uh, if you are an uh, Apple Podcast listener, it would be great if you could leave a rating and a review uh, for the show. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. 
and uh, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. Hello, and welcome to a Thursday night. You're hearing this on a Friday morning. Maybe you're hearing this on a Saturday. Who knows? Who knows when you're listening to this podcast, but you're listening to it now because you're listening to me speak. But anyway, you're listening to the Chase Thomas Podcast, and I am now joined by Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. And Scott, um, NHL is it's almost here. I mean, John Tavares is scoring goals for the Leafs, so now that's real. Um, it uh, it's it's about that time. Yeah, we are. We're coming right up onto it. I I've kind of been joking for the last few days, at least, that uh, I'm not a huge fan of how long the preseason schedule is. I know some teams only do four to six games, but the Leafs in their eight games seems a little excessive, especially with the team like they have where the roster is more or less decided. I mean, there might be a position or two up for grabs, but you can establish that in four games. And a lot of these guys don't need to be waiting around and hanging around this long. And you're, you're keeping junior kids from going back to camp. So you take what you can get, I suppose, but it's, uh, it seems like we're still a long way off from the regular season without actually being all that far off from it. How excited are you about watching this Maple Leafs team this season? It's going to be a lot of fun. It's really going to be, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty young guy in terms of the industry and, and covering this team. This is, I've only been doing this for a few years, but uh, I'm 23 and, and this is probably going to be the closest the Leafs will come since I've been really following the team since I was five or six years old. So, I mean, you look back on, on the early years when I started following the team and, and they were good but they weren't great they were always a competitive team but they were mostly a competitive team because they spent more money than everyone else during the sort of early Sunbeam era of the team um and then ever since i mean it's really been almost a decade now where they've been pretty mediocre to borderline horrible for a few years so this is this is exciting it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to cover the team it's going to be a lot of fun for the fan base i'm sure to follow the team and this sort of keep tabs on, on where they're at and then come playoffs. I mean, they're going to run up against either Boston or Tampa Bay, likely in the first round, if not the second round. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it kind of shakes out. Well, you're also, I mean, you may be 23, but I believe that is the exact same age as Kyle Dubas, the team's general manager. So, um, that that's <laughs> not quite just the, the facts, not quite. I mean, he's 32, which is basically 23 in GM <laughs> years, right? Yeah. Close enough. And 60 years uh, younger than Lou, I want to say. I, I think that's how math works. Uh, it's somewhere around that. But um, he was bold this summer. He uh, went out and got John Tavares. And uh, it's just it feels like a distant memory of all the analysis and whether or not uh, he was going to go there. He was going to go here. Like It was a fun couple of weeks, but then he just ended up in Toronto. And now Toronto has one of the most terrifying um, offenses in uh, hockey right now. Um, are, were you surprised when it happened? And uh, if so, why were you surprised? And uh, do you think this is all something that's going to work out for the Leafs this year? I think if they if the whole process had played out really quickly and the Leafs had announced the signing of John Tavares, I would have been surprised. I think I would have been surprised if you'd talked to me at the beginning of that process to see them come out on top. I think they had a chance heading in, but I suspected that they were probably on the outside looking in just because they didn't have this sort of capital in terms of 
dollar figures and that kind of thing to, to throw at him. And I did suspect that if they did sign him, it would be on a one or two year deal where they paid him massive money uh, right up against this sort of limit. And we've never seen a player paid the limit, at least not in the modern era. And that would have been really interesting. But uh, I, I sort of suspected if, if he landed in Toronto, it was going to be on a short, short-term deal. And then obviously I was a little bit surprised to see him get the long-term deal. But I think as it played out, we kind of got the sense that the Leafs were a real contender and that it was a real sort of possibility. So I don't think it took people off guard as, as much as a sort of your typical free agent signing at that time of the year. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it off the, off the hop there with uh, this offense and how exciting it's going to be and how they're really going to be able to create a lot of matchup problems for teams. And I wrote a piece yesterday about how Andreas Johnson and, and Kasperi Kapanen have kind of solidified a fourth line with Par Lindholm where Mike Babcock, after years of really not liking his fourth line, finally has three guys he likes and three guys he thinks he can rely on and three guys who can be a big piece to the puzzle. And that's without sort of factoring in, obviously, the big guns that they have on the top two lines and then Nazem Kadri on the third line. So the stars are aligning for the Leafs to score a lot of goals and be one of the more dynamic offensive teams in the NHL. I think Winnipeg's up there as well, as is Tampa, but they're right in the mix among, at least offensively, the best teams in the league. How worried are you about their defense heading into this year? Uh, I'm not as low on their defense as a lot of people. I think it is absolutely a concern for them. Um, I I think if they play Ryan Hainsey as much as they did last year, he's going to be burnt out just like he was in the playoffs last year after they played him a lot down the stretch. I remember being in Newark to cover their second last game of the year against the Devils and Hainsey played something like 25 minutes and I just remember being so surprised that late in the season they were still playing him that much, and I think that will be an ongoing concern if he gets older and begins to wear down if they continue to sort of play him big minutes for each of this year. Uh, I think Zaitsev will have a bounce back here. I think Tarek, if he can stay healthy and his shoulder is all right, will be a contributing player on the third pairing. Obviously, Gardner and Riley are, are great defensemen at the NHL level, even after Gardner had it, what was probably one of the ugliest games you could possibly have in Game 7 last year. But uh, there are some, some things going their way in terms of defense. They have a lot of depth with guys like Carrick and Hole and Rosen and Ojiganov, even Andres Borgman, who played for them in stretches last year. So there is depth there, but they certainly don't have uh, high-end options on the right side, and I think that'll be a concern for them. What's going on with Will Nylander right now? The latest is that the negotiations are ongoing, but Kyle Dubas hasn't really let his sort of plan out or, or really tipped his cap in any serious way. Uh, I don't suspect he's going to be done for game one of the regular season, which isn't a huge deal because I suspect once he misses a game or two that the pressure will really be on him to get signed rather than on the Leafs because the Leafs are going to be fine without him early on in the season. And he's not going to want to remain a holdout for very long. Uh, I, I suspect mm-hmm. it'll get done. I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to sign him to a bridge deal. I think that would be a mistake if they do. Uh, I suspect he'll get signed long-term, six, seven years. He might not get his max term, but I can imagine him getting six-plus years and upwards of close to $7 million a year, and, and they just move on from there and, and try to build their offense around him and, and that young core. 
like, what do you think is their contention window right now? Do you think this is a situation where they get to Varus and they're trying to go all in and win a title now because of their regular season success last year and they just they feel like their window is they, they have to take advantage of this? Or do you think Kyle Dubas is still playing the long game and that this is still like um, a three to five year contention window? What do you think it's it's more for them? I think Kyle is certainly playing the long game, but I'm not sure how long he'll be able to play it. Um, and by that, I mean that it, it's, it, it is the right thing to do to, to be patient and play it safe and take your time and, and not rush into spending big assets to make big acquisitions or go after a big right-handed defenseman or that kind of thing. But their window is quickly going to evaporate once they have all of these guys on massive deals, just like it did for Chicago when they locked up their core for massive deals, although they were obviously considerably older at that point. But money is going to be tight three seasons from now, so I think these next two seasons are going to be critical. I think they have to go for it, which isn't to say they aren't going to be a great team for the entirety of the next five, six, seven years, really the entirety of John Tavares' contract, I think they will be. I think they will be the better teams in the league during that period. But uh, if they truly want to become a dynasty, I think they have to start winning some playoff rounds and, and going deep as early as this season. Okay. Um, what do you think uh, is going to happen for this team this season? Uh, have you already laid out what the, the trajectory is for this team in 2018-2019? I suspect they're going to have a big year. I suspect they're going to be well over 100 points again. They'll probably be in the upper echelon in terms of the top five or six teams in the league in the standings when it comes to, to sort of the end of the year and 82 games are wrapped up and you look at the standings. Uh, but their playoff picture is going to be tough. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost, if they end up second in the division and lose to a team like Boston in the first round again. I obviously wouldn't be shocked if they won that series. I think I would have said the same thing last year. And then you run in likely into a Tampa Bay Lightning team in the second round, and that will be really tough. I think the Leafs will probably end the year if they can stay healthy as favorites over a team like Boston, but not favorites over a team like Tampa. So uh, they'll be right in the thick of it. I think a team like the Leafs could go on a run. They could go all the way or they could lose in the first round. That's just how the NHL is kind of built this these days, especially in their division with how strong some of their opposition is. So a lot of it will come down to luck and timing, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked by a first round exit in five or six games. And I wouldn't be shocked by a Stanley cup. So it's really going to be fun to see how it plays out and how far they can make a run this year. Well, enjoy that Toronto fans. That fan base is going to love that. The idea of championship or, you know, they get eliminated in the first round. That's uh, going to be fun. It's going to be a wild ride. And that fan base is ready for it, right? This fan base is never ready for an early exit. I'll tell you that. But they're certainly ready for the Stanley Cup. All right. Well, I hope it happens and I hope that they're fun. And I hope that the Devara stuff works out because the Leafs are one of those teams that uh, it's just hockey is is better when teams like Toronto are good again. So it's cool. It's exciting. And they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They're like the Houston Rockets of the NHL this year. So uh, it, it's going to be fun. Um, th- this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time, Scott. Um, we can find you on Twitter at Scott C. Wheeler. We can read you at theathletic.com. You mentioned one of your articles you have this out this week. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we get out of here? No, not really. Lots more coming. It's going to be an exciting year. I'll be covering the Leafs and the Marlies and the NHL draft, as always, and just keep grinding. All right. We'll keep up the great work, and we will talk in soon, sir. Cheers. All right. Welcome back to the Chase Us podcast. 
Noah Clark is here. Noah's making his first appearance in the podcast. Uh, we've never actually recorded an episode prior that you've never heard. That never happened. There was no picture. There was no face-to-face podcast. None of that actually happened. Oh, full lies. Full of lies. Hey, it's happening now. We're not face-to-face this time. It's not the same. No, we're like one face to no face. I don't like this either. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's better. I, I can get behind this. No. I, no? I disagree. Have it. Okay. Um, but anyway, no technical difficulties this time. This is happening. And uh, we're going to talk about some NBA stuff because, uh, you know, there's a lot going on right now. There's Jimmy Butler is there not, asking it, out of me. There really hasn't been much going on until this, this week. It's been kind of dead. Right? So I saw on Twitter, I forget who it was. And I don't want to call them out. But they basically said that... Like because the Jimmy Butler stuff broke and the Andrew Wiggins brother stuff came out of like him celebrating and all this kind of stuff, um, this league never stops. There were no months off, and I was thinking to myself, "Where have you been for the last month and a half? What are you talking about? It's been dead for weeks." I was like, really "I've been talking about the Clippers and Shea Gilgis Alexander's on this podcast. I've been talking about all kinds of uh, just minutia that uh, it's it's tough." And the idea that I mean, the NBA is definitely a league that we can talk about a lot. But to pretend that uh, it has not been dead for a while, I thought was a little. Scary. Yeah, compared to last season, I mean, it was literally, it was twelve months out of the year last season, man. Just I will not talk about Space Jam too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of this. I don't see why why even make this movie. I mean, he's. he's oh no, I get why you do it because it's going to make a lot of money. But like, come on, now you're just you're just trying to look like Jordan. I like that he got Kugler though, and I'm a Kugler fan, so. Hmm. Are there people that aren't Ryan Coogler fans? Like, how do you dislike Ryan Coogler? People who didn't like Black Panther, which they're mm. out there. Which is fine. It's his worst movie. That's probably true, but I still loved it. And I'm biased. It's fine. I'm biased. It doesn't, like, resonate with me the same as the other. Like, I'm just, I'm so burnt out on Marvel movies and just, I, I just, superhero movies are just not as impactful as, like, Fruitvale Station and Creed and everything else. No, give me those all day. Yeah, Fruitvale's a tearjerker. It was it was good, but uh, I thought something would be fun because Noah is going to be a frequent part of this podcast. He is a friend of mine for several years now. How many years? Uh, when we we really kind of hung out early college, and then after probably like four years ago, we really started hanging out again. Mm-hmm. So, and you're still upset that you've not seen me much lately. Yeah, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that. I'll let me make a note to edit that portion out of this podcast. You, that uh, you bug me because apparently I'm the one not trying to hang out with you, and then I finally have some time. I'm like, hey Chase, let's go to Ladybird. No, I can't. Mm. I'm too busy. I'm like, all right, fuck me. Yeah. Hey, you know it's 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 tough, man. It's uh, being an adult. It's hard, and doing a lot of different stuff is hard. Yeah. The podcasting life is a uh, it's a difficult one. You know this, Noah. Yes. Whatever. Yeah. But anyway, we're talking about the like so the NBA offseason it's wrapping up where training camp is a week away and I think now we can really outside of Jimmy Butler and whatever happens with him and Tibbs over the next couple of weeks if he gets traded that's obviously going to um throw a wrench into stuff but like right now I wanted to do a who had a who won the offseason, which team won the offseason, and which team did not. So I have a couple that I want to throw out and make the case as to why I think they won the 2018 NBA offseason. 
and who did not. And we're, there's going to be some crossover here, I think, and that's why I wanted to have a, a list about five, and um, I'm certain that a couple are going to uh, go come up on both of our lists. But let's start with uh, the negative first. Okay. Let's get that out of the <clears> way. <throat> who do you think, who do you have on your list of, like, this summer just they lost this offseason? Orlando, man. I I feel they're on my list. I feel okay. so okay. bad for that franchise. And you're gonna love this. I don't <laughs> letting go Hazonia, right? Are you, um, are you happier for Hazonia? Because he's not I mean, in this shitty organization, or you just, you know, disappointing. So Mario is on team number two. <laughs> he was never gonna get used properly in Orlando. You, uh, I felt you, bad for him in that capacity. Did you jump off he's, no, I just think it's he's in a situation now in New York where I think he has a better opportunity to succeed. But do I ever think he's going to be a star in this league? No. Do I think he can be a rotational piece? Like it's starting to worry me that he might just be Omri Caspi in the NBA, which is a distinct possibility at this point, or like Jonas Drebko or somebody like that. But he'll play and he'll be used properly by David Fisdale. That's cool. It's like it's going to be fun to see him using that capacity at the floor next to KP when he plays and. Um, I don't know. I think he'll be fun. He'll be more interesting. He's going to be fun for New York, but uh, yeah, I don't really look at the reason as to why Orlando lost his offseason because of Azonia. I look at it as because if you look at who their starting point guard is right now, it is DJ Augustine. I want to say, yeah, they, um, I still want to give this front office time because they have John Hammond now who they brought in from the Bucks. respect the guy. They have Jeff Weltman from Toronto. They, are kind of zigging while everybody else is zagging, but they kind of did that with Frank Vogel, which scares me because they are overloading the bigs. They uh, did the whole weird Bismack Biombo stuff and Timofey Mozgov's now a Hornet. Uh, I mean, uh, is he? Wait, no, I think he's a magic. Yeah, he's actually. magic. And uh, Bismack is back with Michael Jordan who drafted him in the lottery years ago. But um, no, I mean, they, like you see that stuff about like Jonathan Isaac playing the three on offense and Aaron Gordon playing the four on offense and then they switch it up depending on who they're guarding on defense and Mo Bamba I like that pick um but the idea of being able to play those three together I just I'm not a believer and I don't like the guards who are going to be distributing to them like I don't think that makes sense and Jonathan Simmons is still on this roster and Terrence Ross and it's just a weird collection of guys and I feel like they have 19 trades to make and I just don't think they've answered any of their questions that uh are on the docket for them so they just have it's not good they're going to be able to protect the rim, if anything, uh, if they actually figure out some lineups. But I just don't see it. They're all young. I, the, the assets they have, I just feel like they need to trade them. But I also just don't know what they're trying to do. I just feel like that's a team that's always going to be bad, even if they tank now or if they decide to tank. It's just I don't see them recovering from it unless they get, uh, you know, R.J. Barrett in the draft somehow and they have something to build around. Well, if I'm uh, Tom Thibodeau in in uh, Minnesota, I've been pitching the Andrew Wiggins for Evan Fournier and uh, Aaron Gordon trade for months now. But yeah. now with the Jimmy Butler stuff, what if you just said F you to Jimmy Butler and sent him to Orlando for those mm-hmm. same guys? What if you did that and uh, he could be the superstar in Orlando? I would do that if I was Tibbs. Do you, did you hear about the rumors with Jimmy about him sleeping with Kat's girlfriend? Uh, I saw like the headline. I have not read up on that. No. <laughs> yeah, my, I just got details through text message, but that'd be a real nice revenge to get him out of there because they don't want to let Cat go, obviously. So, you know, Wiggins and Cat probably don't want him there if that's true. So, sending him Orlando. I have my doubts. Why? I have my doubts. Why? 
Eh, just, eh, I, I don't. I have my doubts. Rumors that just seems too. It's too easy. It's too like. Okay. Of course, that's it's believable the though. It's believable because people already know that those two have butted heads. That's the only reason it's believable. But Jimmy, I just, I feel like this is something he would do. You don't know him. <laughs> I just, I've listened to enough odds with him. I kind of just see him. Okay. You don't, you still don't know Jimmy Listen, Butler. I've seen him like just. Do not attack my man, Jimmy Butler, who is going to I Los Angeles Jim- to team up with Kawhi next summer. I want Leave him alone. Baker, I know it's not going to happen. And Kawhi It's not happening. Not He's going to be a Clipper there. within like two weeks. And I just, I, I love him. I love him as a player. He cracks me up as a person. We're best friends. I don't know if you know. Mm. Uh, okay. But it's something he would do, man. He told me. Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we both have the magic next up on your list. Bad. Yes. Um, I kind of was really confused on what Washington's doing, getting Dwight Howard. I uh, don't feel like that's a team that needs someone that messes locker rooms up. I feel like they need someone to bring a locker room together with all the issues they've had. So, I mean, getting Mark, uh, Gortat out of there was all, definitely a good move uh, just to please John Wall and stuff. But, I mean, Dwight Howard, when, is he, when has he been good for a team since Orlando? I mean, he wasn't terrible for Charlotte last year. Like, he, it was probably one of his better years since Orlando, but he's still someone like you see the reports of him like shooting threes. And I just, I'd like to believe that he works his game. Yeah, I just, he can't be worse than Gortat was with John Wall last year. And you, you heard the comments of like, John Wall just being like, I give him easy shots and all this kind of stuff. And you could tell there was real discontent between yeah. the two of them. So I just don't imagine Dwight Howard can fracture that locker room more than uh, the John Wall court thought stuff did. And I mean, we remember all the stuff from Bradley Beal and John Wall and everything going on there and whether or not they can coexist. I I just think if the starting five isn't bad, like Keith, Dwight, Otto, Beal, and Wall, mm-hmm. like come playoff time that's a a no it's like not a team that can win the east but it's a team that's going to drive you nuts and going to be in every game and they're going to scott brooks is uh, still a pretty good coach and if you have a short rotation with kelly Oubre coming in at spots and um, your third guard mm -hmm. austin rivers your third guard now over tomas and aransky probably yeah, it probably will be, but it shouldn't be because I, I just don't understand why Scott Brooks did not play Sadoransky in the playoffs and he was playing like Ty Lawson and guys over him. That drove me That's, nuts. That sounds like Scott Brooks. So why do you play? Why do you play Kendrick Perkins in the finals? That the against Miami. It made no sense. Veteran leadership. No, no, you know this. Do it in the locker room. Mm. You don't. Um, the the Wizards are just so irrelevant to me because until yeah. they just do something, I feel like. The John Wall Beal stuff. We know how this is all ending. We know that they're going to end up blowing this up. Like, there's just no path to real contention. It just seems like they're pushing off the inevitable of having to trade either Beal or Wall. Like, we know that's coming. Yeah. I don't know. Who do you think's going first, Wheel or Ball? Uh, Wall or Beal? I feel like Washington has bought into John Wall. He was there first, and like he's their franchise point guard, whatever. Uh. See, I think it's Wall who's getting moved first. Because he seems like he's the one who's causing the problems and and creating the rifts. And, like, they played really well without him. But I just feel like Washington's a crappy organization, too, and they're going to make the wrong decision and keep Wall and send Beal out. Did you see Ray Allen said uh, he was asked which current NBA player um, reminded him of himself the most? And he said Bradley Beal. Really? I thought that was interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I guess I can see it thinking about it now. Like old Ray, who wasn't just shooting threes, he was actually doing things. Yeah, Milwaukee Buck. Yeah, Ray. I can see that. I feel like Ray was dunking on more people, though. I don't know. I mean, Beal was dunking, too. Yeah, I guess. Beal's still an athletic yeah, guy. He can still do stuff. He's also frail and gets hurt all the time. So, yeah. just... All right, next up on your list. Uh, I mean, team that still kind of has a chance, but Houston, I don't think they got better. I, oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think getting mellow. Houston. I, I don't, man. I think their window, This they still have a shot if they can figure it out and stuff. I, I love this fact that they re-signed Capella. Of course, they had to re-sign CP for way too much money. But Michael Carter-Williams, come on. I like James Ennis getting him because he's actually going to fit and be a 3 and D guy. But I think losing Trevor Reza and Luke Richard are actually really big losses for them on the defensive end because they were actually a pretty decent defensive team last year, and I think they were a huge part of it. So getting mellow, they're just going to drop defensively. Their shooting might even go down with him from three because, I mean, he is a good spot of three-point shooter, but he wasn't last year, and I don't know. He's just not the same guy. How do you feel about Bruno Caboclo's uh, beach pitcher? So. He looked great. <laughs> I did not see these. Oh, no, it, I think it was like Mello and CP posted uh, the beach pictures of the Houston Rockets a couple weeks ago. It's like all of them are on the beach and Bruno Caboclo is the most insane body of any of them. <laughs> I will never, I, like he's, remember he came in, what, uh, two years away from being two years away and now we're nearing him just being a couple years away and maybe uh, he's the diamond in the rough. I mean, they still have James Ennis, who I think can be 70% of what Trevor Reza was last year. I'm more concerned about... Luke Richard Bamute, and you saw the loss of just him not having a working shoulder mm-hmm. um, in that Warriors series and everything else. Like, that's a little bit more concerning for me, but I do love the Ryan Anderson trade for them because Marquise Chris is a gamble worth taking. So, you got to give him credit for he, that. We'll see what happens there. Too, so. Yeah, and I mean, I think he can be a backup five, especially in the regular season, where like he can just learn from Capello of like, hey, all you need to do is learn how to catch lobs <laughs> from CP and James Harden. Yeah block shots and try on defense just try but do nothing else do not pass do not dribble do nothing else except catch lobs and rim run that's all we need from you at the five and you know what maybe he can do that maybe he can be like what we all wanted anthony randolph to be for like 15 years maybe that's what d'antoni can get out of him and you look at brandon knight maybe brandon knight can be like a little aaron gordon if he's healthy i mean they it's losing luke richard and guys like that it's going to be hard for them but you just can't keep everybody and they kept their big three which is a big three that wins a lot of games together and destroy people in the regular season Mm -hmm. like re-signing capella is a huge win for them so very big fan of that move so yeah so i i don't have them on my list noah but uh, it's interesting that you went there so that was my surprise um, pick for you there you go uh next up on your list um i mean I don't think it's necessary. I just want to talk about Atlanta because we're from Atlanta. But I don't even think the moves they made were necessarily bad because they need the tank. But Jeremy Lin might need to get – I feel like we need to tank seriously just to just the shot of getting R.J. Barrett. Um, I think that Jeremy Lin might actually be too good for us. <laughs> no, yeah, if, I don't, I don't think but so. I, all right, look. You know that I'm half Asian, so I am biased towards my boy. But when he's healthy, he's actually a good NBA player. And they were a much better team in Charlotte with him. Um, in Brooklyn, I mean, we really didn't get to see him healthy. But 
He got hurt pretty early on last year, yeah. right? I feel like you get did he go down the first game? I want to say he actually went down the first game. Might have been the first game. But I mean, like when he's a healthy NBA player, he's a solid player on the team. And mm-hmm. he's only gonna help his team. He's never gonna hurt him. So But he's also good for Trey Young because he is someone who's a good combo guard who can play off the ball, he can cut, and Trey Young is a much better passer than he gets credit for. So I think those two will actually have uh chemistry. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, it was pretty bad early, and they're still getting blown out, but it'll be fun for both of them. What if Trey Young is actually a lot better than we expect? Like, he actually is the scoring guard that we, we saw in college, and they're winning games. I mean, he has to be Steve Nash 2.0 to validate or do anything for the Luka Doncic trade. Like, we have Dirk already saying Luka's better than he was at 19. Yeah. Like, for that not to be just the biggest disaster in franchise history, like... He has to be Steve. It's Nash. the most Atlanta thing we've done since skipping Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah. Like he just has to be a Hall of Famer. Like I know that's crazy to think about, but like Luka Doncic. I mean, just listening to Carlisle gush about him, listening to Dirk gush about him. It's like everybody. Steve Nash gushed about him. Yeah, and I mean Trey Young's got a lot of. It's not fair to pressure try. on him, man. And that's the important thing. It's like, it's not Trey's fault. It's like, I'm not mad at him for any of this. He didn't ask for this. Um, This front office put this on him because they were like, hey, you know, we get an extra lottery pick out of this. It's going to be a late lottery pick next year. So it's probably just another shot in the dark. But, um, you know, I mean, they were only a couple picks away from taking Giannis not too long ago. So maybe that wasn't all. That was Larry G's fault. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I just, they're going to be really bad. And I think there's a, uh, a real chance of the worst team in the NBA this year. No, I, I think that's on I the table. really hope. I really hope we are. And I'm not even an Atlanta fan. I just want a reason to go to the games besides the other team. I would, that's why. I, John Collins is fun. You, I love him at the five. Yeah, but is he is he the reason you're going to go see a basketball game? No, no. Luka Doncic was the reason to go. See. No, it's Trey Young shooting 15 threes a game. I, if he's hitting seven. No, I don't need to. I don't need need to see him hit fifteen. I mean, like he can go seven of fifteen every other night, and that's fine. Like it's still gonna be entertaining. Like they're gonna be a really bad, fun, entertaining team. But you know what? I, I hope it works out because I like Lloyd Pierce higher. I still think it was incredibly ballsy um, for them to go the way they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, Travis Link has a lot riding on Trey Young, so we'll we'll see. Um, so that's four for you. Who's number five on your bad list? Who lost this offseason? The last one. <sighs> really had four i was looking through i had i was really paused like just optimistic about a lot of teams when i was that doesn't sound, sound like you <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. i'm a i'm an optimist man I'm a, I'm a happy guy i know but i mean like i wasn't a huge fan of the toronto move i get why it all happened i'm not saying this is a bad, oh wow I, look I, I get why it all happened i just uh-huh firing coach of the year because of running into LeBron James. I don't think it was Dwayne. Casey. It was more than that. But yeah, it, it was the the failures in the past. And it was just like, finally, like, okay, we, we got to make a move. We got to do something different. But like, just the DeMar DeRozan trade, I understand getting Kawhi Leonard, if he actually is going to play hard for you, but mm-hmm. getting a rental, which is why. It's- Maybe a rental. We don't know. He could be Paul George 2.0. He, could he has said before he doesn't, he wants to be in, in California. He wants to be in Los Angeles. Like, I don't see him staying in Toronto after the season. What if they go to the finals? Do you think they're going to beat Boston? I mean, I, they're my favorite right now. In the, in the East, they're your favorite. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, if he's healthy playing what he was two years ago, then they're winning the East. This, That's all it comes down this to. Boston team isn't your favorite in the East without LeBron in it. No. It goes one Toronto, two Milwaukee, three Boston, four Philly. Wow. 
We I, doubt this whole like best player not mattering in a playoff series. I understand. Giannis that, took Boston to seven games with Joe Prunny. Kyrie Irving won a NBA Finals in games. He may not be there. And this idea of like, oh, they're going to have Hayward back and they're going to have Kyrie. And it's like, we don't know. Why is he Why is he going to be gone this year? He's going to. Kyrie misses all kinds of games. How many games has he played total in the last two years? Yeah, it's not. It's it, it, He gets injured, yes. But when he's healthy, yeah. he's still Kyrie. Are you really banking on Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward all staying healthy at the exact same time this year? It's going to happen. I mean. I hope so for the basketball. I want everybody to be healthy, but like the idea of like, that's why I'm still low on Philly. Like I, so I should mention they're one of my teams that I think lost this offseason. I actually almost had them on my list, but I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm, I'm biased. I want Philly to do well. So I didn't even want to say anything about them, but go on. No, I mean, I just think that they needed to solve their half court issues. Like they were bad in the last two minutes. They're a team that doesn't know what to do. Joel Embiid's getting triple teamed down low. Um, they're relying on Marco Bellinelli to hit crazy shots in the corner. They let him go. Ilyasova's gone. So, Their bench is worse than it was a year ago. Markel Fultz, lots riding on him. Yeah. And uh, we saw what happened with pressure last year with this guy. And I hope the jump shot's back. I hope he's a Did good player. Did you see his new then. form? That Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's great. I'm not impressed. I, I'm still thinking, like, it still looks weird to me. I liked his jump shot in college. I don't know why he changed it. He was just – he was a good – Well, that's a whole other podcast now. Yeah. And, like, like, I just, Joel Embiid, are we banking on the future of Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Markel Fultz? Like, I just can't do it. Like, it's the best theoretical three yeah. of anybody, uh-huh. but I just don't think it's going to be something that ever comes to real fruition. And we'll see what happens with the pick. I mean, I think it has to go number one overall for the Sixers to get that Kings pick. Yeah. Um, Next year, if it goes to anything else, it goes to Boston. So Boston's probably going to have another uh, top five pick this year, which is crazy um but yeah i just think philly i mean ending up with elton brand in their weird gm (laughs) shirt where they went after daryl morey and went after all these other guys (laughs) yeah it was weird but i also understand why they did it because when it came out that like the the group they have this group around brett brown and these other assistant gms that like want to stay in power and they want to do this approach where everybody has a voice it's like what gm wants that like what outside guys like yeah sure let's come into a situation where i have literally no power and everything is a conversation with like nine different people Mm -hmm. like of course they were going to go with uh someone who was already there so i mean i hope it works out elton brand seems like a great guy and uh it's a great opportunity for him so you know what it's cool i like seeing former players who uh get into the front office to bounce the daryl morris of the world out so you know what? It could. It might work. Might not. I don't know. Depending um, on it not working. That's just me. Yeah. Well, I have a loser of the offseason in the Spurs, losing Kawhi Leonard. Never good to lose a top five player. Yeah. And the Cavs, yeah. <laughs> uh, losing LeBron James and re signing Kevin That's Love and not crazy. trading J.R. Smith and not trading Kyle Corver and drafting Colin Sexton. And you know what? Like Chetty Osman, he's a fun sensation. Hope he's great in Cleveland. <laughs> This is a team that's losing at least 50 games this year. And we've talked ourselves into like, oh, maybe they're an eight seed. Like, what if their closing five is JR, uh, Colin Sexton, Chetty Osman, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson, uh, or Larry Nance? Maybe that can work. That team's going to be off. They're going to be. We were talking about how bad this supporting cast was with LeBron for the majority of this past season. Like it's amazing that he's doing this with this group. And now he's gone and we're like, oh, they might be okay with the healthy Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. It's insane. This Cavs team, I, I just it's gonna trade Kevin Love now. It's gonna be ugly. They might as well trade him and try to get something out of him, but it's probably not gonna happen because Cleveland's also dumb. So 
Yeah. Um, so that those are my big five. Uh, let's go through the ones that won. Yes. I think uh, one for me, the Raptors. Okay. And uh, you have a loser because I think anytime you get a top three player in the NBA, it's always good. And when LeBron leaves the East, great news for them. It's been a great summer for Toronto. Not only did LeBron leave the East, they traded for a top three player. So I think they're the biggest winners. The Lakers. I have as an obvious one with uh, LeBron James. Let's talk, it's very nice. Let's talk about them. James. It's my favorite team. So, obviously, LeBron. We're back, right? Um, we're, back to what extent? We're we're we're. Uh, They're back uh, to relevancy. Yes. Are they back to contending? No. I, I, I don't want to say we're not yet. I want to see how we look with. Kev, get down. That's Noah's dog, Kev. Kevin, get down. Sorry, he was getting on the couch, but... No, this is great podcasting. I'm <laughs> glad Kevin made an appearance. I don't think... What were the odds on Kevin making an appearance <laughs> in this podcast? Probably 50 to 1? Yeah, he was definitely going to get yelled at. But, um, so LeBron, I mean, I I, I want to... I don't want to judge how we're going to look until I see him with these kids. Because, I mean, look at his supporting... You, do you think his supporting cast is better now than he was in Cleveland? No. Why is that? Why? Because he... Has- I think it depends on what Brandon Ingram becomes, but... um, No. No, especially not two years ago. Last year, maybe, but no one on this Lakers team is as good as what Kevin Love was last year. So, no. That's one guy who probably was playing up to his potential, right? Right. Okay, so we got a lot of young kids who are still growing. That's the thing is we have to see what Kuzma, Ingram, and Lonzo are. Like, we just don't know. I'm not going to count them out as being contenders yet because it's still LeBron fucking James, and we've seen him do things he shouldn't be doing ever. And I'm tired of doubting him. Like, I don't doubt him anymore. Like every time I doubt him, he proves me wrong. So I still, I'm, I'm. There's still an option for me, and it was a huge win for LA. I don't necessarily like the free agent signings, but I get them, especially at the prices that we got him for. I hate the KCP pickup, like just resigning him. Like I did not want him on the team anymore. Even I just remember reading about Luke Walton just being pissed off at his decisions he made on the floor. Like it just, it, it just pissed me off watching him. It was really annoying. I love seeing Isaiah Thomas leave. Um, Julius Randle actually seeing him go kind of was disappointing because mm-hmm. it was right when I started appreciating him and I was like, Oh, maybe he's actually going to end up being good. So I think that he is going to end up being decent in, in new Orleans. Like he's not, I mean, I think he's going to close for them. I think him at the five next to Anthony Davis is going to be really good for them down the stretch. I think it's a really good pickup for him. It's a good career. Yeah, for sure. And he's going it, to, it, it'll just be good for him as, as a player, but like Brooke Lopez leaving was, Obviously, we didn't need him, but I still like Brooke as a Laker fan. Like, I don't think he hurt us when he was on the team. He just isn't a fit for us now. And uh, I don't know. I, I hate Michael Beasley coming. Uh, I hate Lance mm. coming here. Um, I actually liked our draft picks. Uh, Mo Wagner, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be on the team. but I, Mo Wagner. Sorry, sir, Vog- sir. Wagner. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Put some respect on the Michigan <laughs> uh, center. So, But Spy, though, I love Spy. Mm. in kansas i feel like he actually could be a, a good player off our best all right that's enough lakers we're getting way too much in the weeds here i'm not allowing any more of this he's good he, he hits shots this he's propaganda is gotta stop. nope see we're already getting into that territory where uh, lakers fans are like see this guy's good this guy could be a thing no 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 i'm, I'm excited like, about he could be saucy i'm just gonna just throw and huge. develop with the best player on the planet he's just gonna make him a better passer better playmaker he's gonna help him understand the game it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to be a Laker fan this year. So okay, I'm excited next for LA. One. Next up for you, <laughs> the Lakers. So <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, the Bucks. Honestly, I 
really like them getting coached. There we go. Coach Bud, that was a huge mm-hmm. addition to me because Giannis, has he had a good coach since he's been there? He has not. So this is his first good coach. I mean, mm-hmm. Bud got the Hawks to 60 wins. 60 wins. And, uh, I mean, it all fucking blew up in our face and we ran into LeBron. But he was the reason. Um, I Like I said, I like Brooke Lopez. So Brooke Lopez, I feel like, will help them. Ilya Sova would be awesome. And I want to bring up their draft pick, Chase, because – you doubted him. You said he. I, I mean, I still doubt him. Going to get drafted, mm. but he was drafted by the Bucks. Dante Divincenzo, the right, the jewel from the tournament for March. Your obsession with him is it's it's bizarre. He should. We. Sh- I wish the Lakers got him. I'm a fan. Oh. I love his okay. game. I feel like he's going to play. He's going to be good rotation minutes off the bench. He could turn into okay. something more than that. It'll be a great third guard. He's got the ceilings there, and I love the fact that Jabari's gone. Because it obviously didn't work out with him and Giannis. Like Jabari needed to get out of there. I'm happy for Jabari that he went to Chicago and went back home. He'll be the guy there, and uh, Giannis will be able to do what he needs to do and do whatever he wants. Okay. I have the Nuggets winning the offseason. Mm-hmm. I think getting Isaiah Thomas for nothing is a really sneaky good move for them. I think Jamal Murray, like they kept the status quo in a lot of ways, but they were able to get off Kenneth Reed's deal. They were able to kind of maneuver a little bit Wilson Chandler to Philadelphia. They're opening up some more opportunities. They re-signed Will Barton, and they're closing five of Barton, um, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Jokic, and Paul Millsap. I just think he's going to win at least 50 games. I'm still super high on Gary Harris, and I just think – them not over panicking about like not missing the playoffs barely and firing Michael Malone. I think it's going to pay dividends. And uh, yeah, I just, I think the nuggets are in prime position to make that leap. Kind of like what the jazz did this past year. I think, uh, I think they're there. Um, I think they're a team that's, it's going to be good. And uh, next up for me, the Clippers. Oh, okay. Bunch of one-year deals, re-signed the right guys, traded for the right guys. Um, let DJ walk. They are a team still like, they're just so financially flexible next summer. And when you're already seeing the reports of Kawhi and Jimmy Butler wanting to go to Los Angeles, you're like, Oh, I see what they're doing and bringing Jerry West. And like now stealing away Lee Jenkins from SI, like they're, uh, they're becoming a very fascinating organization very quickly, but I just (laughs) think that they are on their way. So I I'm in on what the Clippers have done because they, I didn't think they'd be able to clear the decks this quickly with Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DJ. Like those guys were important. And even JJ Redick, those were all four core pieces just two years ago. And now they're all yep. gone. And I think they deserve credit for clearing the decks that quickly and putting themselves in a position to get two top 10 players in one summer. Yep. Like, I just think that's pretty remarkable. So shout out to them. Yeah. I'm mad at that. <clears throat> okay. Well, it's good that you're able to admit them. Yeah. Uh, next up for you. So I, I like what Phoenix did. They're not my winner, like overall. Dallas is my winner. I'll get to that. But Phoenix, I just like the moves they made. I like them getting Aiden and Michael Bridges. I think it's just going to help their young team. I mean, they're young, but like they have something to build around now. I don't necessarily like them re-signing Booker for this much money this early. I feel like they could have held out and um, you know let him prove himself a little bit more because I mean he's an offensive player only at this point, and like we haven't really seen him improve at all defensively. But I like them getting Rashawn Holmes as well, um, and Darrell Arthur just being a, a a veteran presence on that locker room. I just think that team needs some help in that area because it was just so young, like just for the past couple of years, and they've just been so used to losing. But I think that they actually have a core to build around now, and they're finally going to try to start winning games. So I'm not sure about Kokoskov. How do you say his name? 
I, I, I believe that. I don't know about him, though. So I, I really don't have much of an opinion on the coach choice. But, I mean, hopefully. I'd just call him Igor. He has a pretty long, pretty long resume. So I just I, I don't know what to expect from that. But I like the moves they've made. We'll see. I, I, I don't know. I think they're going to be all. Oh, they got year, Trevor so. Riza, too. And I feel they did get Trevor Riza. He's only going to help Michael Bridges become a good NBA player. So because maybe I mean, maybe just a solid NBA player, man. He's got a, he's had a career and Michael Bridges has a high ceiling just with his. OK, Great. His no more subs gone. That. Don't don't hate on Michael Bridges, man. He, he's OK. He can be really good. And then with Dallas, I don't I'm surprised you didn't pick them for how much you love Luca, but they got Luca and. I think they have to move either Harrison Barnes or Wesley Matthews for me to really make. Like, I just feel like they're still in a weird spot with their vets. I mean, they let Yogi Ferrell go to Sacramento, who I really like for them. Like, we'll see. I mean, I still think getting Luka is a huge win for them, and they did not have to go up much to get him, just that future lottery pick. And I think they'll be good, but, like, um, they weren't on my list just because I think they're going to be sneaky terrible again. But I think it'll be fun to watch because they're going to play a lot of three-point guard sets with Dennis Smith Jr. and – Luca and a bunch of other guys because they really if you look at their wing depth it's a uh, it's just really bad yes. and uh Dirk's going to play a lot of five and I just they're going to be awful and uh it'll be fun but they're still like a move or two away yeah. so I want to see them get off those two deals I mean Wesley Matthews I want to say is an expiring this year and Harrison Barnes is an expiring next year but um yeah I mean getting Luka Doncic a potential franchise cornerstone for the next 20 years yeah. obviously a great thing but I have guys, I mean, I have teams above them that I just think qualify. Like the Golden State Warriors <laughs> for re-signing Kevin Durant and uh, getting DeMarcus Cousins. For the playoffs. You got Boogie for the playoffs. No, I mean, I think he's coming back in like February at the he's latest. He's injury and he's seven foot. I think he's coming back sooner rather than later. All the reports seem to indicate he's coming back sooner rather than later. came back from Achilles injury the same. Uh, I mean, Wesley Matthews has figured it out. Has he? He he, yeah. he hasn't. He's he's fine. I feel like we've talked about that, and yeah. don't think Terrell Suggs has ruptured his Achilles at least seventeen times since being on the Ravens. Is it is he a basketball player? Because we're talking about no no. Oh. I don't know. I'm just thinking about the Achilles guys. But I um, even like them going to get DeAndre for one year. I know it's twenty four million dollars, but like at least he's gonna give some kind of spark on defense and like. I don't know, just because he's been in the league for a while. He's still he's still not a bad NBA player, but I like them getting rid of Yogi and Seth. I feel like Dennis Smith needs to just get the ball more or just be on the floor more with Luka. I feel like that's going to be their 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 guard combo, Like, and they just need to run with that. And then Jalen Brunson I really liked because he was a really good college basketball player, and I don't see him being a bad NBA player. You know, I don't know. He could be Tyus Jones too. Yeah, and I, I I think that's really good to have on your team, especially when you didn't. Have- but why play Tyus Jones when you can play the Derrick Roses of the world in 2018? <laughs> good job, Tibbs. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, no Warriors have to be on the list. Like when you resign the second best player in the world and you sign Demarcus Cousins, like you just. It's a- that's a given though. I didn't I didn't want to put them on this. They count. You have to give them credit for that. Like we and, they're so good now of an organization that like just re-signing Kevin Durant and signing DeMarcus Cousins just like, "Oh, well, just the worst." It's like, do you understand like how hard it is just to even get some like nobody had like Boogie on the Warriors radar uh early on in the process. And then it's like, "Oh, he just signed a one-year deal for nothing to just get win a ship with uh the Warriors." Like it's just I think they deserve credit. It for was it. the most surprising move in the offseason to me. Even the Kawhi 
thing wasn't as surprising. I just was completely caught guard. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it until I like went and looked and found it. Like I heard it word of mouth and I was like, no, nah, that's bullshit. There's no way. And then it just was real, man. And the, and the amount of money they paid for him too. Like it's just a win-win for both sides. I loved it, but I just don't want to talk about them because we already know like the championship is theirs. Uh, like I, there's really no other conversation about that. It's not even that's anymore, right. you know? Fuck the Warriors. Last one, and I'm half serious with this. Okay. The Brooklyn Nets. Oh, my God. I looked. Can I give the Brooklyn Nets some credit? Jimmy Butler listed the Nets as one of his three preferred destinations. That is incredible. He wants to play in New York. That is a- I don't care. Like, this is a team that lost everything. <laughs> Billy King wrecked this franchise for 10 years. Jimmy Butler listed the Brooklyn Nets on one of his three preferred destinations. They are on a top 10 players preferred destination list. That Sean Marks making progress does not mean he's going to go there. Okay. okay, I don't think he is either, but I think it's a win this offseason that a superstar put them on their list because you know what? There are a lot of teams in the NBA that superstars are not putting on the list. Charlotte Hornets not on the yeah. list. True, but it, it is a, a, a it's not a major market, but it's still New York, and sure, you got to give sure they're in New York. I don't, it, it's, I don't know. All that's fair. I don't care. Shout out to Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson. That's a like they're gonna be awful this yeah, year. Yeah. They're still not a good team. Yeah. But guess what? They at least have the attention of some NBA superstars again. So uh, you know what? They're hey, you know what? They're still ten years away from being ten years away, but I appreciate the fact that Jimmy Butler listed the Brooklyn Nets on his team. So that's a that's a great thing for me. Um any last thoughts before we go? I mean I liked Indiana's move again, Tyreek. That was really the main move I liked, but that was yeah. about it. And resigning Thad and Bojan was good, but uh, I think they're going to be bad this year. Really? I think we're seeing a step back. Yeah, I think there's a correction. Uh, I think people overestimated what they were last year, and now they're going to of course correct they, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, people didn't expect them to be that good last year, but exactly. And I don't think they were. If you look at the numbers and a lot of mid-range shots, not a lot of threes. Uh, I don't trust that defense. I don't trust the development of Miles Turner. More teams are going to scout My, Victor Oladipo. They know how this is going to work. I I don't know. I would be a little concerned if I was a Pacer fan going it, into this. It year. takes pressure off Vic, but I mean, what Vic has improved a great a huge amount since he left Russ. I can only see him only getting better just because the kind of person he is. He's just a gym rat, and that's what he wants to do is just get better at basketball. So I don't see him getting worse. I I. It's not really on him. It's just more of like the situation around him. Like I'm not sure his personnel got better and he really benefited from having just this surge. His usage rate was super high and I just don't think teams were ready for what he was doing based on what they saw in OKC the year before. <laughs> like I just think now that you have a year of tape on this guy yeah. and this group, like I don't trust all the role players around him. I think it's going to take Miles Turner making the leap. If he turns into an all-star, they'll be fine. But if he doesn't... Yeah, then I don't I don't trust this group. It would have already happened. I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's a team that's like if you take Victor Oladipo out of the question for like 20 games, is this a team that wins like 41? I don't think so. I think this roster looks a lot worse if you remove uh, Victor Oladipo from it. It looks more like Orlando to me. <laughs> Darren Collison. <laughs> <laughs> Bojan playing the Evan Fournier role. Like I don't I don't know. I just feel like Victor Oladipo like uh, just bamboozled a lot of people with how we feel about this Pacers yeah. team. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm bullish on uh, other teams and not the Pacers. But Noah Clark. Yes. This happened. Henry. This is recorded. It's in the bag. This will be up. 
Um, your first real appearance in the podcast. Actually going to happen, Henry. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, we will hang out soon. Maybe 20 You sure? Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'll call you. Brunch Saturday. Right on the line right now, Emily Walden of the Athletic Detroit. Emily, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing a lot better than the Detroit Tigers in 2018. <laughs> well put. Well put. So you're very familiar with this minor league roster, and this is something that I really wanted to touch on with this team because the AL Central, um, outside of the Indians, they're all trying to be bad. Like everybody's trying to be bad. Everyone's tanking the White Sox, the Royals. Everybody is just looking at a long-term rebuild. And the Tigers are the most interesting to me because they were a team that was hanging around a little bit longer than they should have earlier this season. And you kind of wonder that like, what is their game plan? Because they did spend for a long time and now they got their title and everything else. But like, is this a situation where they're looking at, you know, we really have to replenish this farm system. Um, we have to take this slow. We have to be very careful with this rebuild. Or is this a team that like kind of thought about going all in because of their early season success? So where do you think the Tigers are right now, both with their farm system and where the front office's uh, mind is at with this team going forward? Yeah, I would say on the major league side specifically, they've they've embraced the fact that this season is not going to be memorable in a good way. <laughs> it might be memorable in some other ways, but um, they they went into this season, I think, expecting a less than promising outcome, and that's basically what it turned into. Um, lost a lot of their big name guys, obviously with the trades last season, picked up a lot of young young players, and so unfortunately, trying to tell a fan base that you know the guys that came back in return, they're not going to be major league ready for a few more years, and that's that's tough to hear, especially when you you know have had the drought that the Tigers have had in recent years. They made a few playoff pushes. Um, you know, got to a World Series that just couldn't couldn't really come out of it. And for the farm system, I was actually looking over some numbers today, and they are in the biggest upswing they've had in a long time. Just seeing the gaps that they have filled, there's still a lot of work to do, a lot of holes to fill. But just in comparison to the first year I started my work in 2015, it's night and day difference. And seeing the progress they've made is really encouraging. So who stands out to you right now in your analysis of this pipeline in Detroit? Who is, uh, like, I know you tweeted today about uh, the Tigers and how many top 30 prospects, um, like, that they've acquired in, like, the last year. Who stands out to you right now? I think just shooting from the hip on that, I would have to say Jazz Cameron. Um, okay. He's somebody who, he's still relatively young. He's only 21 comes from obvious good baseball bloodlines with his dad being a former professional. And um, with him, I think it's the fact that he showed how quickly he could adapt this year. Um, made the jump to double A, really was impressive, just adapted so, so well. You, he's he's the kind of guy you put him out in the field and you can't read him as far as what's going through his mind. He's got just a great poker face, stays very composed, he kind of keeps things in and then just goes out in the field and does work. And he, I mean, he showed athleticism on both sides of the ball and double A and triple A where he finished the year. And I think just seeing his continual progress and the fact that he climbed at such a steady pace, I think we could really see some sharp stuff on him next season. 
which uh, they have a lot of starting pitchers in the pipeline that uh, are pretty interesting headline, probably by Casey Mize. But who do you think of that group? Or is it just Casey that uh, Tigers fans should be most excited about over the next couple of years? Yeah, I would say of the ones that, that I've studied, I think next to Casey, obviously he, one of the things that makes him stand out the most, I think is the fact that he's so polished already. He's He's obviously a little bit older than, you know, some of the younger guys. I believe he's 22 right now, but showed just some incredible stuff in college. You know, did did some really, really huge things during his final season. And um, it, coming into the year, it was obviously a little bit more controlled just because the Tigers didn't want to pressure him and push him and, you know, have him book too many innings. But the stuff that he did show, it was promising. I think it was a little tired just because of how much he had done before coming in. Um, so I don't think we saw him at a hundred percent. So I didn't put too much stock in those numbers. Um, but outside of my Matt Manning is just progressing okay. at such an encouraging pace. <laughs> He's somebody who I've watched him every year at almost every level um, since uh, since 2016 when he came on board and. He's so composed. He's so level-headed, and he's got so much feel for his pitches. Even though his pitches are still kind of developing and they're getting their own identity, he understands what's expected of him, and he's the kind of player where you only have to tell him something one time, and then he'll go out on the field and he'll execute it with that. He just he has to work through it in his mind, and then he gets to a place where he's able to produce, and he did that and more this year. How long do you think Alavila plans for this? Uh... Tigers team to not be um, contending for a postseason spot? I think you're looking at probably another two to three years. Um, it's obviously, again, not what the fan base wants to hear, but I think in order to put the the pieces in place that are really going to stick long-term, I think that's a perfectly reasonable timeline. Um, I think there could be some positive surprises as far as the guys like Daz, Isaac Paredes, who made the jump to double A and just did an incredible job. Some of these guys, I think, could move quicker than we expect, but the Tigers are also not going to push them too hard because they've had that backfire with them before, you know, rushing some guys up the system when they weren't ready to go. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to push anybody too fast, but I think we could see some fun surprises next season. How surprised were you when they announced that they were hiring Ron Garden hires their next manager? You know, I don't know if it's so much surprise as it is okay, I guess this has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and why is that? Um, why did it feel? Well, yeah, I think seeing where they were at and seeing the fact that they were going to bring in so many young guys, I think you almost needed to have more of that veteran managerial presence. Um, somebody who's been around the game a long time. He understands the ins and outs. He's seen pretty much every situation that you can be in. And so having him, I think, has brought a bit of stability as far as just helping the team kind of work through some things. Um, you know, it's really encouraging the guys. I've heard good stuff from all the players just in, in interviews and stuff at that level. I think they all really look up to him and I think he he's come in. I think he's done his job with what he was given. I don't think people really expected a huge, huge thing. And um, I, I don't see him sticking around long-term, but I think for now, He's he's done you know a fine job with keeping things together, but I I expect a change over the next couple of years. So you don't think he'll be there probably when they're ready to contend again? I don't expect him to. Um, okay. I believe I'm kind of shooting off the top of my head, but I want to say he signed like a three year deal 
mm-hmm. um, if I remember right. And so we'll we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Um, ultimately, it's going to be Alavila's decision if he thinks that he's the type of presence who could be effective in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he decides to make a shift, there are definitely some interesting candidates who could be up for that position. So we'll see what he has up his sleeve. Like Brad Osmus, for instance? You know, I'm going to keep my <laughs> mouth shut on that one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I don't think uh, he's coming back. Um, the thing that, so the Tigers are just, like I said, the beginning is their team that has interested me all season long and i was making the case very early on april may of like are we sure the tigers can't win the al central this year are we sure leonis martin's pretty good i'm gonna talk myself into the tigers winning the al central because the indians were disappointing me and we always think contention windows last longer than they do but then again the rest of the al central is just so bad and they just fell back down to earth and they uh are a team that is gonna lose close to 100 games or at least 100 games this year and uh, it obviously did not work out. They're like 30 games under 500 as we're recording. But um, I just, I look at this team and you think about like how the White Sox rebuild is going. Obviously not what they were hoping for. Um, and Yomakata and everything else in the Chris Sale deal. But uh, there's still time on that and the jury is not out. But um, I just, I look up and down. The Royals are looking at it just, I think, the worst of all the teams in AL Central in terms of rebuild. And I just, I can't see this Indians team just keep going along. You're just thinking like, well, maybe they can, but like, is there a scenario where the Tigers kind of go in that Brewer zone where, you know what, maybe it, it happens a lot faster than we think. Maybe Kristen Stewart turns into a star faster than we think. Maybe Daz Cameron and uh, Casey Mize and all these guys come up and they just outperform or just perform at a quicker pace than we all expected because that seems to happen every year with some team. It, it, it just happens quicker. And sometimes it, stumbles through and it's like oh this rebuild's never gonna end like the reds or um just other teams like that um i i just i can't get a feel for this team and i i could see a scenario where you know what maybe they are sneaking into a second wild card berth in uh a year or two kind of like the rays or somebody else because you look up and down this roster and with the way they're um putting more emphasis on their farm system and just the guys that we talked about it, i don't know i don't think it's crazy to think that this is a team that could uh be better sooner rather than later in the AL Central? I definitely think that they could surprise some people, but I think, call it jaded or whatever you want to call it, I'm not jumping too far ahead. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's something that the pieces are beginning to fall into place. Um, I think, you know, you look at any of the rankings that people have put out recently, I'm actually going to be running my top 20 um, here in the next few days. And um, just seeing the progress that's been made through the trade specifically, um, you know, getting rid of guys like um, Alex Avila, Justin Berlander, Ian Kinsler, all the guys who, you know, got traded out. J.D. Martinez, he was another one. You had all of these guys come back in return. And I think now we're finally starting to see which ones are really starting to make a name for themselves. And it's it's so hard on the minor league side because half of it really is just opinion. You know, you're looking at a guy and you're seeing what his tools are. What is, is this going to project? Is this going to be able to play up at the next level? A lot of it is just shooting from the hip. And that's that's the really tricky thing about being at this level is that you don't ultimately know, you know, is it going to be a Derrick Hill situation where he is an absolute stud in high school and then can't stop running into walls when he comes to the minors? That's just a, it's, it's a very tough thing to be able to call. But I think right now, like I said, they're putting the pieces into place. They're really, really good pieces. 
Um, this is one of my favorite draft classes that I've seen in a couple of years from them. And I think it's going to start to show some stuff in the next couple of years. What is uh, Melky, uh, Melky Cabrera? What is Miguel Cabrera's future with this team? He's nearing the end of it, I think. Um, I want to say his contract is through 2022, if I remember I think it's correctly. Actually 2027, or at least 2043. I'm pretty sure it may be anywhere in that range because I looked the other day <laughs> and I was blown away by how many years are still left in that contract. It's very Robinson Canoe and Albert Pujolsi in that regard, but at least he's still playing at a pretty good level when healthy. Yeah, and really that's the biggest question mark for him because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, he came into this year and looked the best he's looked in a while. And then when your body starts to give out, there's really not much you can do about it. And I think that's the case with Miguel where there's several several things that just haven't gotten back to 100%. So that's really the biggest question because ultimately if he can't stay healthy, it's really not going to matter. You know, you're going to have to just cross that bridge when you come to it. But for now, he's just got to get back to full health. And if he can, I think he's still got a few good years left with the team. What about Victor? As far as his future? Yeah, do you think he is someone like it? Because you look up and down this list and it just seems like those are the last two like recognizable Tigers of like the last decade. It's Victor Martinez and Miguel Cabrera, it seems like. Yeah, I think I think Victor is going to follow through and be done after this okay. year. Um, I think this is his final season, and obviously he's had an incredible, incredible career. And I don't expect him to come back. His body is long gone. Um, I mean, he can barely run when you watch him run, and it's it's not for lack of him trying. I think it's just his body saying enough is enough. Let's shut it down. You've done well, and move on with it. And obviously, the fan base has been frustrated for a while now with it, but. You know, for, for what he's accomplished over his career has been really something incredible. So I think he should be able to walk away with his head held high. Is there anyone on the main roster outside of Martinez and Cabrera that fans should be excited about for the next couple of years? Like, I don't think we should allow Stewart to be included in this list. Is there anyone who's playing tonight or someone who is a regular starter right now um, outside of the pitching staff? that you still think could be a core piece um, on this team over the next five to 10 years? Oh, absolutely. I think Jamer Candelario is probably one of the front runners. Okay. Um, I think you're going to have guys like Jacoby Jones, who obviously he's just an elite defender, but he really has to learn how to hit. And mm -hmm. that's still been a little bit of a hot and cold area for him, but he's able to get that hitting in place. He's going to be exceptional. He's, I mean, he's already one of the top outfielders in the entire league. Mm -hmm. And so to have that going for him, he's another one who still has a lot of value. And um, yeah, I think those guys definitely are two that come to mind. What was the best moment of the t uh, the 2018 tar Tiger season thus far? Because I, I don't want to be super negative. I know Tigers fans have had it rough this year with a bad team, but what has stood out to you of like, oh my God, that was a great moment for the Tigers this year? Oh, wow. Um <laughs> Probably some of the the extra innings wins. Um, okay. Those are always fun fun to see, and got to see some good stuff from Jamer Candelario in those moments. And um, it's it's a sign, hopefully, of what they have to look forward to in the future. So those were were definitely fun to to be a part of and be able to experience. Perfect. Um, what is the best part about uh, covering uh, minor league uh, teams and minor league games? Um, you're getting a preview of what's to come before a lot of people pay attention to it. And I think mm -hmm. that's 
that's really why I enjoy going down to levels like the Gulf Coast League, where you know you're standing out in 97 degree heat and humidity, and watching these guys work their tail off, and that's that's where it starts. And you know, those are the guys where I I watched Matt Manning at that level, and now Matt Manning is in Double A and likely mm-hmm. to be moving up more next year. And so you're seeing the guys at the very beginning. You're seeing you know the raw parts. You're seeing you know, the natural feel for some of them. And it's, it's fun to watch. It's really a preview of the future. So I think I enjoy that aspect of it the most. Last thing, then we'll go. Is there anything, is there any player, because you do have your finger on every prospect in major league baseball right now, that uh, it's not been called up. You're a national prospect writer also at the athletic. Um, is there anyone that uh, outside of the tigers, we've talked about the tigers a lot that kind of you've had your eye on, you think could actually be a superstar that no one's really talking about yet that you're monitoring very closely. Um, as far as ones people aren't talking about, um, I don't know if I would say a ton of them, but I think somebody who unfortunately he gets overshadowed a lot um, is Bo Bichette with okay. the Blue Jays. I, I think that because of the fact that he is not the same caliber hitter as uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which very few people are, if we're going to be honest, mm-hmm. um, I think he kind of gets pushed into the shadows a little bit. And with him, he doesn't play with the same flash, but I think he's somebody who is so far beyond his years. Um, I think he's still 21. He's 20 mm-hmm. or 21. And so still has a lot of good years ahead of him. I think he could have a chance to see Toronto in 2019, um, see what the uh, what the Blue Jays decide to do with him. But he's definitely one I've had an eye on and um, somebody that I've really enjoyed watching develop. So we could see some fun stuff from him next season. Okay, Bobo shit. I was not expecting that. Uh, but you know what? He doesn't have the, the notoriety because of his last name. He's not a BGO, not a Guerrero. He is just a Bo Bouchette. It's still a good name, though. It's a pretty, it's a cool, like, I don't know, uh, villain name. Like, I feel like you could see that in a Die Hard movie, uh, just having a Bo Bouchette. Like, that's a very evil-sounding name, which could be good for uh, baseball. Well, and I think, too, you know, he comes from baseball bloodlines as well. And so it's, his his dad had some big moments. He didn't have the same degree of being known as, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Sr., but his dad was definitely someone who made a mark in the league, and I think Bo's going to follow those same footsteps as far as entering at his own pace and having his own identity, and um, he's got a great heart, great mindset, really, really humble kid, and I'm excited to watch him move forward. All right. Well, there you go. The Blue Jays, even though it's been a rough year, Josh Donaldson's gone. You know what? They have uh, helps on the way. There is even a BGO named Cavan. What a name. Kevin Biggio. So you have Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Ligero Jr. I think the Blue Jays might be fine in the next couple of years. I think they're going to do okay. I agree. All right. Emily, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time. We can find you on Twitter at Emily C. Walden. We can read you at theathletic.com that if you are not already subscribed to, I don't know what you're doing because you need to subscribe to it because I read it every day. It's one of the best sports websites out. So do that. Read Emily's great work and keep up with all of her great uh, prospect writing. And it's not just uh, Detroit Tigers. There's all kinds of great stuff um, that you can check out. But also check out the Tigers because they're a team that uh, could be a lot of fun in the next couple of years. But either way, Emily, I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for the time. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. 
I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.